We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I just like the sound. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Your boy Lamb here in the host position. Not flying solo on the usual solo pods on Mondays. My guy Alan is here. Alan, what up, baby? What's up, man? We just finished watching uh, NFL Sunday, week nine. Uh, Full disclosure, we're recording this in between the ending to that Seahawks game with the Bucks and Sunday Night Football. So I got a long day tomorrow, so I wasn't going to be able to record anything. Alan hit me up. He was like, yo, bro, where you, where you watch football on Sundays? I'm like, I'm usually a piece of shit on the recliner that Alan's currently on right now. And I was like, yeah, man, pull up. Have something to eat. Watch the games. Talk mad shit about some teams. Yep. Not the Falcons because they're on bye, so I'm enjoying my bye week. Yeah, me too. I'm enjoying my, well, not a bye week, but the Giants play tomorrow night on Monday Night Football against the Cowboys. Very interesting game there. First time they'll be exposed to a quarterback that can move for the Giants. You don't think James can move? No, no, no. I'm oh. saying the Cowboys is going to be the first time that they're going to play the Giants in, oh. in about 15 years that okay. the quarterback is going to be able to avoid a tackle and so make a play. Very valuable. <laughs> so the course of Eli Manning is no longer there. Um, all right. So there are a couple of things we want to get to. Boss is going to join the show at the end, talk a little MLB. I know I didn't mention the Nationals last week on the Thursday pod, but congrats, a good congrats to the Washington Nationals and them winning the World Series first time ever. Yo, 
What would you do, Alan? Oh, this is t- I, I hate asking you these kind of questions, man, because it would have been the first Super Bowl you would have seen for the Falcons. But how do you how do you how would you react if your team won a championship for the first time? Whether it's championship or if Croatia won the World Cup, what can you really say? You just celebrate. That's it. You just savor the moment. Watch videos for the next how many years? You just constantly have those moments. I, I still to this day watch where it's World Cup highlights or when the Falcons beat the Packers. It's destroyed him because that was the last ever game in the Georgia Dome. Mm. So that's like kind of like a Georgia Dome, memory. brother. Love the Georgia you know Dome, what the most man. famous moment in the Georgia Dome ever was? Was it Bill Goldberg? Yes, the jackknife on the Hollywood Hulk Hogan, baby. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of Falcon fans would dispute that. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, they had like 90,000 people for, for a Monday Nitro. Wow. How crazy is that, dude? Go- I know Goldberg was on the Falcons for two years, but then, of course, the promotion behind Goldberg was crazy. And, and also, like, WCW at the time used to run oh, the all their stuff, and, and Turner was out of Atlanta. So, yeah, that was, like, a big-ass, you know, the Monday Night Wars. Mm-hmm. Right, a lot of nostalgia with the wrestling, though. But right. I do want to say, and uh, I gave boss shit on sun- Saturday because we had a hell of a time, guys. Uh, Shout-out to my guy, JM. Uh, I met one of the fans of VM. He, he bought me a beer over the weekend. Uh I didn't want them to, Alan, because you know those beers at MSG cost about $15 a pop. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I had so much to drink yesterday, man. I felt like such a shitty human. I had a great workout in the morning. I went to, I took my first ever jujitsu class. Today? No, on oh. sa- on Saturday. Saturday oh, morning okay. before UFC, bro. Oh, yeah, you're in the mood. I went I went to the gym with, with Serge. Serge was there teaching a class. And, yo, it is it it literally lives up to the hype guys did you do no gear gi? no gi it was just okay. like we were just like in regular you know like how i would go to the gym okay. and it was like an mma class where we did striking we did wrestling and we did jujitsu nice. but then we spent the majority of the time on jujitsu and it was ridiculous and surge was first of all surge couldn't believe that i weighed 195 pounds he's like yo you look like you're 170 i was like thank you <laughs> but, but that's oh, not the comment. case and he's like yo i want the biggest guy and i was you know weight wise i was the biggest guy there and yo serge just laid on top of me and he was like yo try your hardest to escape i cannot escape just, and mind you uh, serge uh sergio is a black belt in Brigi- brazilian jiu-jitsu so he was like yo try your hardest and i tried as hard as i could and i felt out, like i was down there for three minutes but it was really like 17 seconds and i just like gassed right, out dude. what would you do if you just put you like in a crucifix oh man i actually you know what's funny i i was in a I, I was rolling with this one kid we did we did five minute rounds and i was able to like last all time because my conditioning is pretty good like i i go on a lot i'm actually gonna go on a run at halftime of the sunday night football game has become my tradition of i take a run to the bank it's about two and a half miles from here so okay. i go and come back i usually walk it on the way back um, or I run as much as I can. So I get about like three good miles in. So my conditioning, my cardio is pretty good. And um rolling around and wrestling and shit. At one point, me and this kid are just like rolling on the ground. And uh, Serge is yelling, oh, yeah, I get him funky, huh? Yeah, I get him funky for, for Ben Asker and the yeah. funk wrestling. And uh, I end up taking this kid's back. And I like crossed my legs around him. And Serge like stopped. And he's like, bro, if you ever cross your legs like that, look what someone could do. And he put, he like, I had him in a choke. Had his back. He's like, I want you to squeeze as hard as you can to like choke him out. He even like put my hands under his neck. Guys, it was the craziest thing ever. He like let me choke him out, and he just put like pressure on my ankle, and I ended up tapping. Yo, I could have. He's like, yo, never cross your legs. So if you guys are in jujitsu, never cross your legs when you got someone like 
sort of like a bear hug with your legs. Mm-hmm. Yo, it was really, really ridiculous. But anyway, enough of my uh, introduction to jujitsu. But I went there, had a nice workout, and then I had about like 12 beers on Saturday between like going to the bar. We met Ariel Hawani, who was really cool. We took a picture with him. Uh, he loved my shirt that actually, shout out to Alan, gave me a Diaz versus anybody shirt. One of my favorite shirts. Oh, if I, one of the best websites, if you want to look for MMA clothing, The Throne. They mm-hmm. have a lot of old school classic stuff, whether it's Diaz Bros or some of McGregor's early stuff. It's just now, given that Reebok kind of dominates the market, you don't see it as much. And of course, Roots of Fight. Roots of Fight, it's phenomenal. But yeah, The Throne's one of the cooler websites. So I would you compare with. that to like pro wrestling tees, where it's like, you ever heard of pro wrestling yeah. tees? Pro wrestling tees is like when the indie wrestlers, before they make it to mainstream WWE, and they sell their shirts out of boxes and cars at like Ring of Honor shows oh. and whatnot. It's, it's like the it's like where the the fighter would make his money too. Would you say s- somewhat? But like when the throne was big, this was like 2014, 2015. So this is right before Reebok. But thing is like, did, they, did uh, what was when Nick Diaz got suspended for five years? They did a legalized Diaz shirt, and this is Nick Diaz, one of the biggest fighters ever. I think like Johnny Hendricks has a shirt, Benson Henderson. Like mm-hmm. so, they had like big time fighters. So that's why I don't think the indie. I don't think it's necessarily like an indie website, right? Because these guys were all on the UFC, yeah, they and they were like world champ. Like Johnny Hendricks was champ, and he was with the throne. So I just think it was like one of those websites because MMA is such a fascinating sport where you know, if a website just comes together and they have couple of connections with fighters or sponsors everyone's gonna get on board it's such an open environment you just have to hit pretty mm. much especially if you're international because i think they're from the uk so that also helps people it's whether you're from canada or brazil you know, mma is such a, a global sport so that's another like attraction yeah that shirt was fire man and a lot of people were stopping me for that shirt they're like yo where'd you get that shirt from i was like oh my buddy gave it to me because i'm a big diaz guy and uh, Harry, Ariel was pretty cool. He's like, oh, man, I like your jacket. Pretty cool. I was wearing a rock chalk yeah. line jacket. That was uh, pretty awesome. But, man, what would you think of that event, dude? Well, that, 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 that whole card, just like top to bottom. Was that not one of the best cards you've been to? Oh, been to easily. Uh, all time. I'm not sure if it's necessarily all time just because the ending was obviously a downer. But all together, particularly the four... ESPN, uh, ESPN plus the that prelim bench starting with when Arlovski got knocked out mm. to uh, Corey Anderson just laying out all his frustration on Johnny yeah, Walker yeah, yeah. like that four fight stretch because you saw our by the man Shane Burgos mm-hmm. holding it down and uh, Edmund Tarverdian I forgot the guy's name but that Trebazian. head kick Trebazian, 21 years old trains with Gegard Mousasi uh, Ronda Rousey's protege. Wow. Well, 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 sorry, I I don't know if that that's the exact term, but I know Ronda Rousey has like a uh, managing side to her mm-hmm. that she manages fighters and that's one of her fighters because you want to see because they're middleweight so you want to see new blood because uh, Rockhold went up to the heavyweight he might be retired Wyman's could be done uh, even though I know he's coming back but you want to see new blood Jacare went up to a five so that division now you have this 21 year old stud who knows maybe in two three years he fights Asanya you have Armenia against New Zealand, <laughs> or I know or New Zealand slash Nigeria, depending on what uh, Asai plays. But yeah, that the prelims and then something. My God, I don't think I'll ever see a crazier knockout than when Kevin Lee did the Gregor Yo, Gillespie. yo, listen, Gillespie's my guy too. I got to meet him when I went up to Rochester, and uh, my buddy Nick, who I had on the podcast, uh, my college roommate, he um he also lives in Rochester, and he's actually the strength and conditioning coach for Gregor Gillespie. And uh, they're, like, really good friends. And he was devastated yesterday. He didn't come down to the card because he bought a crib. Mm. But he was like, man, so sad. But, you know, we're also like – like, I also have a soft spot for Kevin Lee. I like Kevin Lee. Same here. And, uh, you know, Kevin Lee and Gillespie were supposed to fight 
back on that Rochester card. That was supposed to be the headliner. Mm-hmm. So this was the first camp that he was with Faraz, you know, the GSP's guy. Yeah. And kind of kind of showed, man. Just the setup. We hit him, I think, with a... Uh, like knockout right? of the year, would you say? Come on, might as well ask her. And- oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, you know, podcast over. <laughs> Where can they find you, Alan? <laughs> That's horrible. But, uh, but yeah, I was happy for Kevin because he's faced so is much... It, is, it, is it in the Mount Rushmore of knockouts of the year for... What, Maswell? No, no. Like, oh, th- uh, this year? Oh, there's been so many fights. But yeah, yeah it's got to be up there just because th- just the how swift it looked. Like, it just a, I don't know how you explain it, but it just, it was like a one-two combo. The combo couldn't have looked better. And just the ending just went in there. And then the hammer fist, super unnecessary. Super unnecessary. <laughs> but yeah. I will say, in the heat of the moment, you're going to you fight until the ref stops it. Like as Masvidal said it best. He's like, I hit, got those two shots, and all right, maybe I want to get back at Askren, but still, until I get held back, especially in a fight like that, because I don't think he would have been released if he would have lost, but still, that's a must-win fight if he wants to prove himself to be one and three in his last four fights. Yeah. Hey, yo, you know what the coolest thing I noticed, man? And you know, even some people that might not be MMA fans, that might be like, yo, let's get the football already for us. It's become so mainstream, mm-hmm. and like uh, NBC Sports was tweeting clips of it. ESPN, obviously, Barstool, yeah. uh, f- like big meme accounts were tweeting it too and like making like funny stuff. Like did, when it's time for bed and they're showing yeah. Gillespie just laying there. They, they had to delay Canelo Kova last night because of it. That's, you know, the power. Yeah, yeah. The UFC, and it's not the first time that the UFC has kind of kept uh, other things from starting off on time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that card was really, really fun, man. Darren Till, you talk about New Blood in 185. Right. You know, he got a big win over Kelvin Gastelum and, you know, kind of shouted out all his haters and the people that doubted him. And, uh, yeah, The Rock was there. The, the Rock came with an entrance. <laughs> well, you heard the If You Smell. I'm like, whoa, what's going yo, on? Yo, we were talking about that. We're like, yo, do you think that they're going to do the If You Smell? And let me ask you, do you think he got paid for this? Well, I know he wanted to promote his new movie because he's doing a movie on the legendary Mark Kerr. Right. So so do you think this was like something to... All right. Maybe me, some future sponsor with uh, Mark Kerr to get some footage mm-hmm. for the movie because it, it's... Uh, I, uh, I don't know much about the Mark Kerr story, but I know it's like one of the bigger things when it comes to the MMA history. But but also you got to think the UFC is probably going to be promoting the shit out of that too. So yeah. Rock is going to be getting free, free publicity from that mm-hmm. and... It'll probably have his face on like the cage, you know, like on the cage. Sure. The, the the poles they'll have like you know they had Usman, Colby, yeah, and then Max and um uh Volkanovski. Almost, those, yeah. those that's the next pay per view two forty five. So they'll they'll probably have his. So I I I wouldn't be surprised if this was like a favor. Like yo, I'll come and promote. I'm doing a movie. I'm one of your guys. They're all businessmen. They always have to have someone said this. They're boys. I, yeah. I, remember, I remember seeing Rock. Uh, he was at, I think, when Lesnar fought Carwin back in 2010. So they've had a relationship for a long time. So I guess it makes sense. But yeah, I, I, there's always something with The Rock when it comes to promoting something because the guy's such a savvy businessman. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, he never not? does something without like something in return. It right. seems like. But I, I thought just the crowd, we got to give a shout out to the crowd. I thought the crowd was awesome. They were doing the Olay, went to kind of the Derek Lewis chance. Uh, shout out to the Black Beast. Don't think he won, but hey. We got a post fight interview talking about buttholes and all sorts of fun stuff. <laughs> uh, shout out Trump. <laughs> we said, you know, shout out to my boy Donald Trump. Shane looking good right now. We got to get together for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the craziest thing is that uh, they didn't even announce that Donald Trump was in the building. Like, no. like they didn't show him on the on the board. Unlike the MLB. 
Right. MLB did. MLB, they did, and he got booed. Yeah. There were some boos in the garden, and then immediately after, you hear, if you smell. No, so that was. Yeah. That was I, then I think they show like Nick Diaz 10 minutes later, which is always good to see. Yeah. Stockton's yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get to the BMF, but the theme of this episode, guys, is I have a bunch of cre- questions here, as you know, just to recap the weekend and whatnot. And we get one other shout out. Yeah, of course, but, bro. Right, we we didn't just me Ariel. We gotta give a shout out to Chell Sonnen because Chell Sonnen was awesome. Chell Sonnen was really really <laughs> cool, man. Like the way you would envision him. Is that fair to say? Is like how you envision him. When you you just don't know when Chell is on in terms of gimmick, or is he just gonna be natural? Because Chell, you know, he's always got he's, he always got something to push. He's always gonna stick to the. You just don't know what to believe when it comes to Chell. Like he's gonna make you laugh, but can you have like an actual conversation with him? And he was very personable. Yeah, uh, uh, Dylan, Dylan, Eric, and I took a photo with him, and he was like right in front of us, and everyone's taking photos of him. But it seemed like he wanted to like get out the bar. And then Dylan was like, yo, we should just snap a group picture as opposed to taking three separate pictures. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, Chell, man. I was like, the bad guy. I was like, yeah, I'm a big wrestling fan. So the bad guy, he's like, ah, Razor Ramon. I know, I know. <laughs> but I'm the MMA bad guy. And I was like, yo, can we take a picture? He's like, yeah, buddy, come on. And then we took the picture and it was cool. And then and then we kind of walked with him like a little, bit. Yeah, a little yeah. bit, you know. And uh, yeah, that was a really cool time, man. But the theme of this episode and I haven't told Alan any of these questions. Kind of just watching, you know, I'm calling this, are we sure? Right? So I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, Alan. I'm going to give my answers. You guys could all chime in too. I love getting the feedback from the fans at Veterans Minimum on social media. So we'll start off with this one. Are you ready? Let's go. Fans, are you ready? No, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to do my Triple H. But are we sure... It's not time to have the Sam Darnold conversation. Ooh. And what I mean by that is kind of talking to myself in the mirror right now, folks. You guys know how I was not happy with the Saquon Barkley pick for the longest time until I met Sir Daniel Jones. (laughs) And the reason why was because, you know, Eli Manning loved the guy, but he's 36, 37 years old, 38, I think. He's around there. Hasn't been good since like 2014. Steep decline. Yes, very steep decline. And I've felt as if he's him and the Mannings have sabotaged this franchise or had a vice grip over the organization's throats and they didn't take a quarterback last year. And I believed for the longest time that Sam Darnold was the best quarterback of that class. It's been a rough stretch for the the red rifle. Does he have red hair? No, I think who are you confusing him with? Oh, I call. Oh man, what's it his can't name? Be Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Is it really Andy? Yeah. You confuse him at that? That's an insult. Is, is, is he not? He's, he's, he's playing a little Andy Daltony. Oh, that's a, that's kind so of. So, are harsh. we sure that Sam Darnold might not be the answer for the Jets, man? I want to see him with a new coaching staff. I've been very critical of Adam Gase since I got back. I got on the podcast in September. I just don't think he he has talent around. Don't get me wrong, but between not having a real O line, like I I can't say any of the Jets' current offense linemen are above average. I think a lot of them are liabilities. Between that and just how sketchy Adam Gase is, you know, not figuring out how to use utilize like Le'Veon Bell and just the whole I don't know. Robbie Anderson should be way more productive. It's just so frustrating. But I will say, especially when it comes to the the Patriots game, is Darnold has a tendency of. Just, Putting the ball in bad places, like when it comes to not just putting the ball in traffic, but just intensely just lofting up. Like, I don't know if he needs to put more velocity on throws or just needs to read the field better, but 
it's just some of these mistakes that he's making, you expect that he will learn from them, especially given that he has all experience, but uh, learning in terms of having more experience since playing last year and having a better supporting cast. But I'm not running off Darnold yet. I want to see my new coaching staff, but I just think he needs to start learning from his mistakes because the turnovers eventually by year three, year four, you can't combine, you can't continue doing this. Other than, otherwise, you become Jameis Winston. This is off the heels of them being the first win for the Miami Dolphins. Yes. Um, now, I understand I am a big revenge guy, Fitzpatrick revenge. The guy lit it up through three touchdowns. But Sam Donald in his last three games, three touchdowns, eight interceptions. Taking into account the Patriots game? Yes, four of them coming against the Pats. And, and all of them were horrific. To be. <laughs> but all of them were like really, really bad interceptions. On his career, he has 23 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. Um, we have not even factored in any turnovers from fumbles, um, though he has been sacked 18 times. And remember, he didn't play three games for them. Yeah, and we haven't even mentioned some. Because we, we have some ammo when it comes to Sam. Oh, everyone does. He has, of- five, he has one fumble this year. Surprising. Okay. I thought he had more. but I'll, You know a lot of young, young quarterbacks are reckless, but the thing with Donald is I don't think he's learning from him. That's the issue. He has some pieces that I like on that offense, too. He has a reliable slot guy in Crowder. He has a deep throw in Anderson. He got all-purpose back in Bell. It's just that O-line, there's nothing there that makes you say, wow. And also, Osemele did like some wild shit, and he got released from them last week. Well, I would say the Jets did some wild shit on Osemele. Right, right. Yeah, they yeah. did him. That was That's just, a whole other issue. Yeah, but. That, that was just a weird... Yo, what is it with the medical staffs? Wouldn't you expect them to be like really good? Like Even, you know, we didn't touch on it last week because the report came out Friday. But the thing with uh, Trent, Williams. Trent Williams and the Redskins, you know, like this dude had cancer and they told him it was minor. It's like, no, nah, man, cancer is a serious, serious thing. Bad organizations doing bad things. That's all you really said. When you look at bad organizations, the Redskins and Jets are the first two teams that come to mind. Just how it is. And I just think you should lose draft picks for that. Like, oh, what was it? Not saying uh, some kind of reports, but then just even faking MRIs. It's just, I don't know why. And assembly, people are saying, oh, assembly is just some veteran. No, assembly was like an all pro left guard for the Raiders. Like, he was a superstar. Right? Oh, from an old lineman standpoint, like, this guy would have the craziest pancake blocks. Then he kind of fell off a bit, but just do that to a veteran. Like, you, there has to be some sort of communication. And then the whole Jamal Adams fiasco, just the Jets in general. That's why I like to see Sam Darn. This with a new coaching staff. And just give him some new support because you see what young quarterbacks again put into awful situations. You may not recover from like Josh Rosen. His career just might be over. Like we don't know if he'll ever succeed because he's been in two of the worst possible situations. He literally went to the AFC version of the NFC team that drafted him. Josh Rosen, that is pretty much. And now he's going to play by Ryan Fitzpatrick. So maybe you shouldn't feel that as bad for him. But are we sure? Are you guys all buckled in? Are we sure Pat Mahomes is not a system quarterback? Yeah, I'm not going to address this. <laughs> Matt Moore, man. Matt Moore leading the Chiefs to a win. Matt Moore in his last two outings. Hashtag not terrible. Hashtag Andy Reid's one of the best coaches in the league. Show respect. Yeah, absolutely. But I do I do think that, you know, this is obviously a joke, folks. All right. You don't throw fifty <laughs> touchdowns if you're a system quarterback, like big serious. You know. But, you know, I, I do think that Matt Moore deserves, you know, as a journeyman guy, I, I think he is one of the better backups in the league. You know, absolutely, to yeah. this was a big game for the the Chiefs, man, because that would have been four losses at Arrowhead too. Yeah, you know, too, but... and straight. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Green Bay they lost to. Colts. They lost to the Colts. And then there was the, um, what was the game that Mahomes got hurt in? No, he got hurt against Denver. Oh, that was on the road. Yeah. That was on the road. Yeah. yeah, yeah what, right. what was the other game they lost? How are we blanking on this right now? They had an ugly loss. Let me pull up the schedule right now. Texans. Yes. That wasn't ugly, but they got played. Yes. If Will Fleur could have caught the ball, it could have been two, three scores. Yeah, so they lost to the Colts, the Texans. Yeah, so no, all home games. Yeah, all against good opponents. You know, Colts are But yeah, but this was also also a venue that people um, feared, right? Like, this was a place that was really, really hard. And I think they needed to get a bye, because if you want to look at it right, I think them and Baltimore are going to be competing for the two seed. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the South is just a disaster at the moment. But now look, Andy Reid's a fantastic quarterback. Uh, fantastic quarterback. He's just one of the best offensive minds in the league. I, I just think the fact that he had Matt Moore competing with Aaron Rodgers last week is a testament to it. Like Aaron Rodgers was on fire last week. And they were still competitive. Yeah, the game came down to the wire. Yeah. Are we sure reviewing pass interference is worth it? Definitely not worth it. <laughs> I, I believe it's like less than 10% of the coaches' challenges on PI have been overturned. And it just adds, you know, we are a society that wants things quick, easy, and fast. And Efficient, I would also say. Efficient, yeah. yeah, for sure. But, you know, one of the issues with baseball is that the games run too long, right? That's the one big complaint you hear with them. And, you know, they implemented a coaches' challenge in the NBA also. And that's adding more time to games. And in the NFL now, if you could review that, and it just opens up a Pandora's box where eventually maybe holding gets reviewed. Oh, no. that's when the sport ends. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, come on. That's like every play. Yeah. By the way, a little off topic. That's the play that uh, Jacoby, Jacoby got hurt on. Yeah. yeah that you, you missed out on when uh, you were coming here. Yeah, it looked pretty scary, man, for Jacoby. Prayers to him. I hope he's. They say it's only a sprain, so. Yeah, that's been a that's been a really fun story and a, and a really fun team, man. They're getting it yeah. done with. You know, not much really. Like T.Y. Hilton is out for two to three weeks too, and you know it's like Zach Pascal again had a nice game. They got one of the best all lines in the league when you have that protection, right? You scheme uh, things up. The P.I. review, man. I was I was such a big advocate for it. I thought that it should be a challengeable offense because now I was thinking it should be challengeable on you know those big like forty fifty yard plays that mm-hmm. swing games, right? Not like an eight yard. Not out. like a yeah, <laughs> but then one could argue that you know maybe that third and eight mm-hmm. that I threw eleven yards that might have been pi could have yeah. changed the momentum of the game and and that's fair too, mm-hmm. but it you know I, I'm kind of taking a step back on how I felt about the review and pi. It's just so not just long, but I just think it. I just wish officiating could be better. I I hate arguing this because it's just like you you just have to accept that officiating is gonna be inconsistently frustrating forever. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. So I don't know. I just think there has to be some sort of structure that they could put together because NFL, you constantly hear year in year out, we're going to do everything better to to make the game obviously more cleaner, uh, more efficient, and better officiated. And year in year out, you just get more frustration when it comes to officiating. Are we sure the BMF title was a one-off, as it was built up to be? No. I think they're going to have to figure out maybe in terms of weight, maybe they could put 165 because they are strict when it comes to weight, but I think they have to capitalize on this. I think there was a lot of fanfare. And obviously the matchup helped, but just given that, look, the term, 
BMF and just the excitement behind it, it gravitated a lot of attention. Uh, Alan, what does BMF stand for? A uh, baddest motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny that uh, uh, Bruce Buffer said BMF and then Dan Margliotta was like, for the baddest motherfucker title. <laughs> I was like, yeah, finally, someone said it. We yeah. don't know what it stands for. Just yeah. say it. Uh, can, can we talk about that fight? Yeah, yeah, man, of course. Yeah, well, well, we skipped it because I knew, you right. know, as a professional I am and I laid out the show, I knew that I was going to ask you this question. Okay, my fault. But does the ending take away from the whole event? No, I think the event, especially the production behind it, you saw both entrances. I love what they did to Diaz with the it remixed like five different songs ended with just what i am with eminem and then which is the perfect song for nate Diaz. really is and i love how it was the ending as well yeah and i just liked they didn't have pyro because obviously ufc doesn't do pyro but i just like the you know you had like a colored theme mm-hmm. like Diaz that they had like turquoise and while mazo just came out to flames <laughs> yeah. big about that i love just the you can just tell they really want to make a different presentation i don't think they did that i've done that since chad mendez conor mcgregor when they had they didn't have they had live performers so it was a little more well done but it was just cool to see ufc go a little above and beyond because they are really not they're not like bellator bellator is the ramp they'll do the, some pyro UFC, they kind of keep the entrance as somewhat basic, but it was cool to see a little bit more of a presentation. And you had kind of like both fighters, like you had quotes like mm-hmm. during the songs. So that was cool as well. And also saw some iconic figures walking these guys out, right? Roberto Duran for Jorge Masvidal. A lot yeah. of people say one of the best fighters. Well, not a lot of people. Like a lot of people do say he's one of the best fighters yeah. of all time, if not the best to many people's you know, discretion. And then, of course... Cousin Nick, Nick Diaz, baby. Nick Diaz Army. <laughs> Nick Diaz Army. Yeah. So that, that was really, really cool. How'd you feel about the stoppage, man? Didn't like it, but based on seeing the cut and just because everyone knows Nate Diaz has a, a lot of scar tissue. He takes a couple of punches. He's going to start bleeding, just wear and tear. But I can understand why. It's just if it was in anywhere, anywhere else but New York, I think they would have kept the fight going. I think New York has always been kind of precautious and they're still new to this. Remember, it has been legalized since 2016. Right. So, and they've had some issues. Like, I remember when uh, Chris Weidman fought Gegard Mousasi, it was like a very controversial ending and I think, I think Weidman actually has had multiple controversial fights there. So, uh, like, if you, Rogan said best, if it was in Vegas, especially after Tyson Fury's last fight, I think it would have went on but, I, I just, from watching the fight, I don't think it was competitive. I think Maslow tore him apart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think maybe you could have made the case for Nate taking that third round. But then again, like the last he was probably dominating that third round and then like the last minute and a half, that's when Maslow Dahl, you I don't know, think Nate was dominating. Maybe he was getting a little bit of the better of him. Like, that's what exchanges. I meant. Yeah, yeah. Dominating is a stretch, but yeah. you know, he was he, he was laying some more combos. The first two rounds it was no contest. Yeah. yeah. Maslow just uh, when he landed the head kick because Diaz was trying to duck because Maslow was going ahead like that wild rush just perfect timing and Maslow is just so technical and it's just his timing is always right you could just tell he has so many t- different tools that's why I picked him to win the fight because I just think he's way more explosive and Diaz has a hard time when it comes to like you can't take rounds off against a guy like Maslow he's just too battle tested and he's too fearless like even when Diaz landed one till you saw me like you blew a kiss yeah the guy's yeah. Like, the guy's a maniac like yeah. the, I knew, like, Diaz, you're not going to get in this guy's head. He's just too crazy. And uh, I would love to see a rematch. I assume you would definitely like to see a rematch, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. W- without a doubt. And also, you know, you brought up a good point where Mazadal is a legit 170. Right. And, you know, Nate is, he fought at 155 for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And he fought a guy who was, he's kind of a 155 or two in Connor. So, like, yeah. sure, they ended up fighting at 170, but both those guys are really. Nate actually fought 170 a long time ago. Roy McDonald 
like suplex him three times. Then he's like, all right, I gotta go back to 155. But I just think maybe Nate doesn't want to weight cut. Much him. He doesn't want to cut that weight because 15 pounds is a lot of weight to oh, cut. Yeah. But it's just he doesn't have that power there. And even though he beat Pettis, Pettis is another guy that probably should be 155. Or so that's why it's just all about the right matchups. And mm. I think that's why. Diaz wanted this fight because he did see this as a potential good matchup, but Masvidal is just a serious power. Like that, he was like some nasty body kicks. But yeah, I would definitely love to see a rematch. I don't know what's happening because I think Diaz needs to take at least six months off. But regardless, I think they have to do something more with this style because I think it just it builds excitement and uh, they have a lot of shows to fill and just like and they're really. Uh, want to put a tough fight on every pay-per-view it's like we need to have a tough fight so if, if you have an issue because i don't know what fight they're going to put if it wasn't this one like they were having real issues like who's going to main event this like this fight came together like seven weeks beforehand yeah so i think having at least something like bmf bell and who knows me you got like justin gaethje because i think for the right amount of money which obviously is a big thing because money you know UFC is very fickle when it comes to money, but for the right amount of money, and I think a guy like Gaethje or a guy like Cerrone, just there's so many crazy guys at 55-7. There's so much talent there. Why not utilize it? So that's why I think they should keep it. I think that 55 to 170 has a lot of, not only talent, but a lot of characters. Savages. Yeah, but they have a lot of guys that could be marketed as like BMFs, you know, mm-hmm. like you have Tony, you have... That's Tony Ferguson, not friends on a first name basis. Yeah. Uh, you know, even Poirier is in there. Yeah. And you mentioned Gaethje, Cowboy, everybody knows. Yeah. Kevin Lee coming off that yeah. performance too. So Robbie Lawler has one more comeback in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Are we sure the San Francisco 49ers are not the best team in the NFL? As impressive as they are, they're the third best team for me. Third? I got New Orleans and New England. You know I'm a huge proponent of New Orleans, and I know people are like, wow, you really say I just think the Saints roster is the most complete roster in the league. They looked a little shaky last Thursday. Cliff was getting into them. Cliff Kingsbury, by the way, not great when it comes to time management, but this man knows how to scheme up a game plan. He does, yeah, yeah. And and also, like, you know, Chandler Jones is an absolute savage still. Still getting it done at a high level. It caused some mayhem there. Yeah. But... Um, oh, as we got the slide in from one Chris Collinsworth that everyone really likes as the game is on in the background, kicking off. Um, I disagree with you, man. I think they're the best team in football. I think they have better wins than what New England has. Obviously, we don't know yeah. the result of this Ravens <laughs> game right now, so it, it could be a dominating performance by New England. Wouldn't it be mm-hmm. a surprise. But defensively, I think they have the best defense in the league based on who they've played. And I also think that Man, Manny Sanders has added an entirely new dimension to them where I know he's not a 6'5 prototype wide receiver on the outside, but all I know is that he gets separation, number one, still, still not a year off tearing his Achilles, and Garoppolo already loves him. He had double-digit targets last week. I, I told the, the my buddies in the DFS chat, I was like, all right, this is something to monitor. Sanders is his guy, mm-hmm. you know, and we know about Kittle, yeah. and sure, Coleman had a bad game. Obviously, he's not going to have four touchdowns every week, folks. But, you know, Breida stepped up and got close to 100 yards yeah. on the ground. They have two guys that could get open on a play when Kittle and Sanders. Kittle just, what he was doing to Buda Baker. Poor guy, yeah. Man, like Kittle, I think Kelsey kills like 1A, 1B. I, I, I was always a big Kelsey's number one, Kittle's number two once Gronk retired. I think it's not 1A, 1B. That's how good Kittle is. Because you also have to take into account he's like the best blocking tight in the league as well. You know, and that still matters. Yeah, you know, going into last season, 2018, we made a video on the YouTube channel. By the way, check that out. YouTube.com slash Veterans Minimum. Cheap plug. I said before last season, Travis Kelsey was the best tight end in football. And all the guys and all the fans were like, yo, you're crazy. It's Gronk. 
Okay. Dude, Kelsey's been going at a high level since like 2015, 16. Yeah. He moves like a receiver. Like it's scary, like how good of a route runner he is. Love Gronk. Well respected Gronk. Got but but you know, he was he was getting it done in big games, Gronk was, mm-hmm. because they would unleash him in big games. But on a week-to-week basis, it was easily Kelsey was better. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think it's 1A, 1B. Yeah, Kittle is scary. But I, and now you have Sanders adding that dimension. You know, with Shannon, they're going to scheme up plays, whether it's Pettis peeking out or going on a cross. Or just, you always know with Kyle Shannon, there's going to be four or five plays a game where he's going to scheme something open. They're going to produce 20, 30 chunk yards right there. So, no, look, San Fran's, what they've built there is really impressive. It's just... I'm still a little uncertain about Jimmy G, and I think that old line could get, get out, especially with Stalium and McGinchy still injured. And they lost Quan Alexander after the year. That's a big loss. Yes, they did. Yeah, he tore his peck. Okay. Are we sure the Golden State Warriors are not the worst team in the NBA? I like to think they're two teams worse. <laughs> I don't know, like the Bulls maybe? Yo, on November 2nd, they started. Are you ready for this lineup? Oh, by the way, Steph Curry broke his hand. He's out three months now. Clay isn't coming back this year. Draymond's out for how many weeks? With hurt feelings or he's really hurt? No, I heard he hurt his finger. Didn't he like tear a ligament in his finger? Yeah, he, he complained about his finger being injured. <laughs> but I think it's I just, thought we said bruised ego. <laughs> yeah, bruised ego is definitely it for Draymond. Damn, I like Draymond. I know he's a prick, but I like Draymond. Listen to this lineup that they started the other night. And tell me how many of the guys. Actually, you know what? This is a bad question to ask you because you're a big college basketball fan. So I am might, a big college fan. You might know these players. But all right. Kai Bauman, Jordan Poole. Jordan Michael, Poole, Michigan great. Glenn Robinson the third. Another Michigan. Yo, what are we doing here? John Beeline. Eric Pascal. Okay. Villanova, Villanova. Villanova, man. And then Willie Colley-Stein. I never liked Willie Colley-Stein. <laughs> yeah, I never liked him either. But man. Look. That, that lineup is uh, D-League-esque. Like, this is, you know, and, and sure, they have D'Angelo Russell also. Yeah, where you know. is he in this? I don't know. He Where's Kevon Looney? It, he, it was not over there. It oh. was not over there. Um, oh you know, they had... Uh, they got to bring back Andrew Bogut, that's it. <laughs> your boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, you know, you lose you lose Durant in the offseason. You lose Iguodala. You lose... Sean Livingston retired. Sean Livingston gets up and goes. Quentin Cook also left. He went to the Lakers. And, you know, Clay Thompson obviously out all this year. Curry, man, I picked him to win MVP. Broke his hand. A guy landed on him. Uh, it was just, it's just rough. And also, you know, they moved to a new arena. Yeah, that's right. And, dude, check this out. In their last 11 games, the Warriors, they've lost Clay, Curry, and Durant to season ending injuries. <sighs> How crazy is that? I don't know if it's a curse. Can we call it? Do you <laughs> think that, like, Oakland put a curse on them for leaving? Man, and go into like the tech tech capital of the world. They should have went to Stockton. Then they would everything would have been alright. <laughs> they would have had some goons in the stand. Yeah, I feel bad. I really like Steve Kerr. I think he's one of the most transparent coaches. He's not so he doesn't back away from conversations, whether it's talking about political or just real life situations. And I just think he's such an intelligent person. So it does bum me out. But then again, it's like damn, the Warriors have had so much success. So for them, it's just like okay, so they're gonna win what? 18 games this year, whatever. Like, we're not going to feel too bad, but hearing that lineup, though. Yo, can you, yo, what about this? I just thought about this. What if you go on a tank 
now that because like what Curry's gonna come back and what? is that Adam Silver trying to get that elite? Can you like find teams for tanking? But I mean, at this point, like you're not gonna get Clay back. With your your best player is Draymond and D'Angelo Russell. Like, congrats, you're gonna yeah. win 24 games. Especially in the West, and in the West being so low, which already you kind of had your back against the wall trying to get out of that conference, mm-hmm. and maybe you get a ooh, Ed Reed, man, no, Ed <laughs> Reed with the shield. Yeah. Oh, Ravens by 30 tonight, folks. <gasps> oh, yeah. But you know, you maybe you get a top pick, a top pick in the draft. Maybe you get lucky like the Pelicans and you get the number one pick. I know I'm reaching right now, but shit, the Pelicans had a two percent chance to get number one last year and they ended up getting it. They did. Sure, Zion's hurt now, but he'll be back eventually. And then you you add that top pick to a roster with Curry and Clay and D'Angelo Russell and you know, maybe it's one of those like, yo, we were dominating people for five years now. It's someone else's turn. You could compare it to the Colts in twenty eleven where they had to start like Curtis Painter and then they got the number one pick and the guy. Right. Look. Yeah. So. Yeah, it could be. Could be. Uh all right. Are we sure the Steelers knew didn't know sorry, how can I phrase this one? Are we sure the Steelers made the right move in trading a first round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick? I don't think Fitzpatrick is four oh, sorry. four interceptions since he's gone there. Had a pick six today against the Colts. Has a forced fumble. Steelers are on a three game winning streak. Thoughts? I'm not even sure. What, like I know he's a slot car. I know he's a safety. I know he's someone that's very versatile. I would envision trading a second or third round for for a player like that. Like, it's debatable if Jalen Ramsey's even worth the top ten pick because I think the Steelers are going to have a top ten pick. So, just to lose that for a guy that, okay, he's a playmaker and he's a heavy hitter and he's someone that can be relied upon, but you have a lot of draft capital, especially for a team that they need playmakers on defense. And yeah, he might be a playmaker, but top 10 pick, you want to get someone that could be like a cornerstone for your defense. And I'm not sure if Fitzpatrick is exactly that player. And to give up that much, I just don't see how it's a logical decision. Okay, so I couldn't disagree with you more. And here's why. First of all, he's 22, right? Wow. He is in his second year of his contract. They have the player option for year five. This was a guy who was taking 10th overall in that draft out of Alabama by the Miami Dolphins. He is a tri-state native out of Old Bridge, New Jersey. By the way, shout out to the tri-state area. 10th pick in the draft. Are we sure we're going to get a player as good as Micah Fitzpatrick? I'm also a little bit different in the sense where I like trading assets for established stars. I like. Is he an established star? I don't think he's an established star. All right, look, he's not Stefan Gilmore, but he's also not uh, D. Milner. Oh Jesus! Well, what about say like Jamal Adams? Would you have traded what? You trade a first round pick for Jamal Adams? If if Jamal Adams told me that, yeah, I would resign with you, and I had him under contract for a little bit more. Like, look, don't forget, Jamal Adams is in his third year in the NFL. Right. Where Fitzpatrick's in his second year. And Adams is going to be due. Now, he was linked to the Cowboys, and it's like, he can't really go to Dallas because who who are they going to pay next? Yeah. That's why I saw today, like, they mentioned Zach Martin was part of trading Dallas. Like, yeah, we're not trading Zach Martin. No, that's the (laughs) core of their team. (laughs) It's it's the offensive line. You can't give up anyone from there Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what makes the Cowboys – Tick. It's just a top 10 pick is such a huge thing to have. And I don't know a slot corner slash safety is the right way to use it. And Pittsburgh, I just think even though the AFC is weak, they are far, they're a long way from being contender again. They still have a lot of holes. They're 4-4, four and four, man. Yeah, okay, so what? They're going to make the playoffs, and what's going to happen? They're going to lose in the first round? 
I know, but like you get Ben next year. You know, Ben probably has a year or two left in him. I really want Orlando. Oh, he's been declined for what three of the last three years? I would say they yeah. do have a very good O line. Oh wow, uh, they do have a very good O line, but it's just that defense has always been shaky, and I just don't think Fitzpatrick as a player. Like I don't put him on a level of a Jalen Ramsey, a Jamal Adams, a Harrison Smith, or Casey Hayward. Like he's not a premier player to me. If I want a top ten pick, I want somebody that I know that's elite. And look, maybe he could develop. Don't get me wrong; he's already making a lot of big plays, but I just never really envisioned him because I think if if he was this big time star. Miami would kept him. There's a reason why Miami kept Xavier Howard. That's true. That's true. Even though he hasn't played the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's quote unquote injured. Um Yeah, his ego is injured being down in that <laughs> shit bag organization. <laughs> I don't know. You just don't see Betty like when it comes to star players or teams like organizations, like okay, the Raiders traded Cleo Mack because they're the Raiders. Uh Jalen Ramsey wanted out of Jacksonville. But These guys wanted out. I don't know if Fitzpatrick wanted out, it's just Miami. Well, Miami was on like a fire sale kind yeah. of. You know, if you I came they- if you came at them with the right deal, everyone was available. And I guess, you know, first round pick. And, and you know, you say Oakland is Oakland, but they also got three first round picks for Khalil Mack and they didn't need to pay him. Maybe that was another thing. You know, like Chicago did break the bank to keep Khalil Mack. But to me, he's one of those players that's Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. Without a doubt. But, you know, they also have that luxury that they haven't paid their quarterback yet. True. They're not going to pay their quarterback, though, because yeah, that yeah. guy. Allen Robertson, one catch for six yards. Are you kidding me? Told them you should trade for Matt Schaub. Against the Eagles secondary, who everyone's been having career there. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm upset. <laughs> I'm very upset. Let's move on. Are we sure CMC isn't the MVP of the National Football League? Definitely MVP, but I will admit I was wrong for picking Dalvin Cook what over him for Offensive Player of the Year. Oh, guys, imagine not picking CMC for Offensive Dalvin Player of the Year. Dalvin is a stub, but CMC, pff, man, every week it seems like he's having a four-year. Like, even against the, the 49ers, they're going to blow out. Sweep, cuts up field, gone. Like, he has legit breakaways because everyone looks at McCaffrey. He's like, okay, he's this uh, really crafty running back. He runs for a size. He runs really hard, by the way. He yeah. have enough credit. Like, he lowers his shoulders. He'll defend his back up. When he was coming out from Stanford, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, he's not going to be able to carry the load. He's not going to be a, as explosive. And mm-hmm. a lot of that was because he's a white running back, number one. Yeah. Number two, he is a little undersized. Like, he's he looks small, but if you see him, like, Dude, he put on like 10 pounds of he muscle. Did, and he did, and he said he, he specifically would do that, and he did it. And, you know, this was a guy at Stanford that had a 300-touch season, you know, and he was a finalist for the Heisman that one year. And then he sat out. The, remember it was him and Dude. Fournette? They sat out their yeah. bowl games, and there was a big debate over like, oh, is that allowed? Is that acceptable? Like, oh, you know, how do you sell out on yeah. your teammates kind of thing? And for me, you know, a little side note, like, Dude, if you're if you're a stud college football player, Allen, and you play at like Bama or Clemson, and you don't get to the college football playoff, and you're playing for the Nokia Bowl, I'd be like, bro, don't don't play in that shit. Yeah, we've had this discussion. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, no, it's yeah. not worth it. But I had this question, full disclosure, written down prior to seeing what Russell Wilson did. Yes, <laughs> five touchdown passes over 350 yards, roughly. And we just watched some of the highlights of Houston Jacksonville because after last night. It was very hard to wake up this morning. For oh, yeah, game. yeah, yeah. I still feel the beer in my stomach. Yeah, so, but the Shaw is definitely up there, and we'll see if Mahomes gets healthy. Rodgers took a bit of a hit today. Man, what the hell was that? They couldn't go, they just couldn't put together drives, and you got to give credit. The Chargers pass rush. They still have talent. That's why, man, I've always will be a proponent of the Chargers. They have talent. They're going to do some dumb stuff, but they'll be in it somehow, and then they'll let us down because they're the Chargers. 
the Chargers now are four and five. Very interesting graphic. We were actually talking about it prior to um, Red Zone showing this. But this time last year, as of week nine, five teams were either 500 or below, and they made the playoffs. The Seahawks, Ravens, and Eagles were all four and four. The Colts were three and five, as well as the Dallas Cowboys. Remember, it was around this time that they made the trade for Amari Cooper. Right. Right. And Amari Cooper comes in, and then they kind of almost run the table for the most part. They lost to Tennessee, and then they ran the table. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They went seven and one in their last stretch. And then, so, you know, you have five teams. Now, the Chargers might be a team who can make some noise, I think, still. They have a very tough schedule. Yeah, two games still against the Chargers. Oh, uh, against the Chiefs, excuse yeah, me. I know they still got to play Minnesota, which is not easy. And, you know, the Chargers, they're still prone for their one or two bad losses, even though they've already had a few. But it's just with Bosa playing at such a high level, you have Casey Hayward still there, and Melvin Ingram starting to get going, Towns there. And then if just Rivers could put together, like if Rivers could put together the stretch of three or four games. And Melvin Gordon's looking spry. Yeah, yo, how about this? Wasn't Derwin James supposed to be out until mid-November? I heard December. December, I don't know. yeah. So, so what if what if the Chargers are like six and six, and they get Derwin James back? I think that's that's the kind of impact that can make some make some noise yeah. in that secondary. Man, the issue is they really only have one way to get in. That's the sixty because I don't think they're going to make up. I can't. I don't think they can make up enough ground against Buffalo. I think Buffalo has that wild card spot solidified. It was kind of like last year. The Chargers they were so good last year. 12 four, they, they, they had the best had that, record they, in the AFC. They had that five seed, and then they almost got the one seed. So this year, now with Buffalo just piling up wins against very bad opposition, mm. uh, it's going to be tough for them. But look, I think they have a good coaching staff. They have so much talent, especially at the skill position. If Melvin Gordon, it's just if the O line holds up and they just don't beat themselves like they normally do, why not? But they have a lot of work to do. All right. Those but yeah, I don't think. But yeah, when it comes to McCaffrey MVP, though, going back to that, he's gonna have to do something very historical to even have a chance. Because the last person did was Agent Pearson, and he missed the rushing record by what nine yards, and he carried that team. Remember, you know, it was a quarterback of that Vikings team in 2012, right? Yeah, Christian Ponder. There we go. And then Joe Webb started against Joe Webb in the playoffs against the Packers. That was one of the most hopeless playoff games I've ever seen in my life. Games with 150 scrimmage yards through a team's first eight games in NFL history. Three people have done this. Matt Forte. Damn. Jim Brown. Hey. And Christian McCaffrey. I'll tell you this much. If Matt Forte wasn't on this list, I felt like it would have been a little bit better. <laughs> no, yeah, Matt Forte. Were, he was, I don't know. He was just a guy for me, Matt Forte. He put up great numbers, but you know, when I, think when I watch Matt Forte, I'm like, what did he do something that was like extraordinary? I feel like Matt Forte screams... 1,150 yards every season. Yeah. It's a solid base for some very uninspiring Chicago teams. Yeah, very uninspiring. Yeah, but well, he was on the team that went to the playoffs with uh, Jake the Snake Color, too. Yeah, that team was very oh, – that, obviously, they're a great defense. But even that – I don't know. Those Lovey Smith – I never cared for Lovey Smith. I always thought he was just a very average coach. Rambling about the Bears right now. <laughs> but uh, in terms of MVP, though, I think it's going to come down to Wilson and Watson. Wilson and Watson, yeah. as you think, yeah, man, I think, uh, I think, um, I think McCaffrey is going to be in the discussion, man. If he could get the Panthers to a playoff seat, you don't think? And and you even said to yourself that the the NFC before we started recording, you're like, dude, eleven wins, 
might not be enough to get you in the in the playoffs it's in the not. NFC. Especially with, look, we we're, we're trying to figure out if the West could get three playoff teams, but then you have to take into account, you know, what about Minnesota and Green Bay? You have Minnesota, Green Bay, Seattle, San Fran, and uh, L.A. And then you have New Orleans, Dallas, Green Bay. Like there are very good teams that will not be playing football in January. Like, I didn't even mention Carolina. So so just, just listen to this, and we'll we'll wrap this up before we have we have a. Uh, our guy get on here and, and talk a little baseball. Our guy boss. Um, all right, NFC: Cowboys four and three, Eagles five and four, Niners eight and zero, Seahawks seven and two, Rams five and three, Packers seven and two, Vikings six and three, Saints seven and one, Panthers five and three. So we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams. And yo, honestly, like ten and six, eleven and five might get you in. I think that might be a little yeah. bit of a shot. But yo, it's it's really realistic that ten and six might not make give you a playoff berth. I remember the the Giants in two thousand ten. They went they went ten and six, missed the playoffs, and then the year after they went nine and seven and won the division, and then they went on to win the Super Bowl. Crazy. So it's 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 unbelievable how things how things turn out sometimes. And I think they'll give McCaffrey some credit because Kyle Allen's the quarterback. So the fact that he's been the centerpiece office and he barely leaves the field as well. Right, yeah. So that's nothing you have to take into account. He plays like 98% of the running backs next to them. insane. But I just, we know it's a quarterback league and what Russell Wilson's doing this year, along with Deshaun Watson, I think you just look at the two most dynamic quarterbacks besides obviously Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, but Pat Mahomes, I think he's missed too much time now to make up ground on those nah, guys. Yeah, he, he had his run, obviously. And look, he, if, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be playing in January. So yeah. they'll get for it then. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, Alan, where can they find you if they want to contact you? Alan underscore Sturk. That's A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. All right, guys. Uh, let's hear a word from the sponsor, and then we'll get to the big boss man. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Cheap plug alert today. For the sponsor, patreon.com slash veterans minimum. Congratulations to Goose. Yes, the artist known as Goose is the winner of our October Patreon contest. You have won the rights to an exclusive veterans minimum portrait, a poster, and a frame. And also, a big congrats to my girl Tammy. Tammy coming in second place at the contest. You have won a hat. If you guys want to be able to compete for prizes on a monthly basis in the Patreon, visit patreon.com slash veteransminimum for $10 a month. You can enter and win some really cool prizes. The November contest is up and running right now, but if you pledge in November or get in that $10 tier or higher, you will be eligible to compete for our December contest, which is going to be a doozy. I think it's going to be the best gift that we're going to give out to date. So check out the Patreon. Let us know what you think. Subscribe if you like. If not, just continue to listen to the podcast. (laughs) My guy, it's been a while, boss. What up? What's going on, yo? I mean, it has... Yeah, it hasn't been a while for like us two. We were together over the weekend, but I mean, as far as like your podcasting career, what's good? <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Was a great weekend though, man. UFC two forty four. Um, yeah, man, that was. You saw your boy cousin Nate didn't go the way you wanted it to, but we met some goats too, Ariel Hawani, 
and uh, Chael Sonnen, man. It was such a great weekend, man. Great fights. MSG, you can't beat it. Yeah, yo, I was I was telling all my customers at work today, like, man, I got to sit down one day and, like, put together my Mount Rushmore of sporting events. I think it's up there, bro. Mind you, I've been, really? to, I've been to a bunch of Super Bowls and shit, but, like, you know, uh, humble brag. But, yo, I really, like, I had a great time. That whole day was just awesome. Yeah, it was. And I was hyped that we agreed to go to that bar uh, for the pregame ESPN radio just to shout them out because, I mean, that was a dope live show. Ariel Hawani and uh, Sonnen and Peter Rosenberg. Shout out. I know you were hyped because Peter Rosenberg mentioned wrestling about a million times. Yeah, and not only that, not only that, <laughs> you, uh, you know what I'm going to tell you right now, right? What's that? Ariel Hawani, the GOAT MMA broadcaster, journalist, whatever you want to describe him, a pioneer in the game, finally, guys, admitted what I've been saying to boss for years, that everything is professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> he lied to you, bro. He lied to you. You know, even even if it came from him, him I still disagree with it. <laughs> Yo, guys, when he said that, I just looked at boss in the middle of them conducting like an actual radio show. I was like, what I say? What I say? <laughs> Oh man. yeah, you got Rosenberg to look up. He's just like, huh? <laughs> but uh, boss is joining us today, guys, because I got some heat that I didn't mention the Nationals winning the World Series. So big time, congrats to them for that. But I got a uh, boss. The theme of this episode has been, "Are we sure?" And I know you don't like that because one of the questions that I did ask is about your boy Sammy D. And we've been going no. back and forth. <laughs> we've been going back and forth. All day, all year, all month about uh, about Sam Darnold and whatnot. But, you know, I got some questions over here I want to ask you, and I want you to tell me just how you feel about it, man. And I think it'd be cool for the people to hear your voice. So are you ready? I'm born ready, bro. Let's do it. All right. So are we sure the best team won the World Series this year? Um, damn, I don't think they were the best team, like, all year long. But they were certainly the best team. Uh, in the clutch in October. I mean, if you look at the stats, this is the year of the Drews ball, right? They said there's so many home run records broke. Um, and the Nationals were like a middle-of-the-pack home run team. Like, they didn't even provide that much pop. I think they finished 13th overall. So when it came to the postseason, there were, you know, those big rumors that they switched the balls back to the unjuiced ones. And uh, that certainly provided an advantage. I mean, if you look at the final postseason stats, the Nats played the second most games behind the Astros, who played one more than them. And they still had the highest batting average at, I believe, 240. So that team hit for contact all year long. They weren't as reliant on the home run ball as the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers, uh, the Brewers. And there might have been a, another team in there in the playoffs. So I think for them, they had the best rotation. I don't know if they were the best team necessarily, but... Without the juice balls, like you could say Strasburg, Corbin, and Scherzer match up with any rotation in the playoffs. And now you take out the juice ball, and I mean, to say they're not the best rotation is tough. So I don't know if necessarily the best team won, but certainly the best starting rotation. Because I won't say the bullpen, because their bullpen is fried. But the way they manipulated games and uh, got pitchers in on their bullpen days was truly unique. I mean, I think that's the first time we've seen that, and it worked to perfection. I mean, yo, I always feel like if you have a two-headed monster like that between Strasburg, who, you know, he just opted out too, so that boy going to get paid this offseason. 
Yo, if you can opt out of a hundred million dollars over four years left on your contract, God bless. <laughs> you know you're doing something right. Well, yeah, and and like the Nationals, you know they got they got some questions to address in free agency too. Um, I, I'm with you, man. Like it's you know this team won, they, they got in as a wild card. You know they were second in the NL East. Uh, they paid eighteen to one to win the World Series at the start of the playoffs. Um, uh, per stats and info. The only team in MLB history to be 12 games below 500 and go on to win the World Series. So this is like a team that, you know, at, at one point people were talking about them. I remember watching baseball tonight and they were saying how like, yo, they might be sellers and this team might not be able to get over the hump kind of thing. So it's crazy to them for them to win the World Series, man. I got, I got another question for you staying with this. Yo, are national fans sick? Like, how would you feel if... I mean, I mean, you know, you're a little, you're a little biased because you've, I want to say biased, but you've seen so many championships and the Yankees have so many championships, but like, yo, imagine being a Nationals fan and you drop bread to go to the world series and like, say you went to two games. Cause I know boss guys, he, he went to mad Yankee games, him and Eric and the guys, they go to mad Yankee games. So like, how would you feel if you dropped like thousands of dollars for a baseball game and then they lost, but then ultimately win the world series? Damn, that's a tough. Guy. I mean, I feel, I feel like it was paid off because if my team won, then like you know that's all I care about. Right. But that night of that, I did. If I you know hypothetically went to that game and dropped bread, I'd be furious and mad, depressed. I easily, I, I'd be even more mad because I would have to spend more money on booze. So it's just like a double whammy. <laughs> that, that boy <laughs> could drink too. If my team won it all, though, that would make up for everything and then some. So, I mean, I wouldn't be mad at the end of the day. Yeah, like a, a couple of days later, you'll feel all right. But for the part yeah, yeah, of the time yeah. being, yeah. And then it'll be more booze, more booze because we won, you know? Pop those champagne bottles, baby. Boss, are we sure Bryce Harper is not the sickest man in America for them winning the World Series? Because this dude leaves in the offseason, gets paid, and I know it's easy to... To be ups- it's hard to be upset when you're sitting on three hundred thirty million, but man, you know you leave and then your team goes on to win the World Series. I I don't know. I think I think the competitor in me would be like, damn, yo, that's trash. But like, obviously, I'd probably be sitting on hundreds while I'm saying that. Yeah, hundred percent. But it's, I mean, it's so crazy because they, I mean, they let's be fair, they did offer him three hundred million. Right, yeah. But it, it was like deferred money. So he wanted, I guess, the money up front, which is what the Phillies gave him. The Phillies actually gave him, you know, longer term. It was 13 for 30, 300. When the Nats gave him 10 for 300, but the payments were like supposedly deferred till he's 60 years old. So, <laughs> I mean, he probably wanted his money now. But I don't, I think it was crazy because the Nationals had Juan Soto, right, in the pipeline, or mm-hmm. he was up last year, too. And Victor Robles, like two young studs who, if they kept, I mean, if they kept Harper, sure, he'd be playing because one of them wouldn't be playing. Either him, them two are Eaton, Adam Eaton, but they also wouldn't have been afforded the opportunity to sign Pat Corbin in all likelihood, who was a monster piece out of the bullpen in game seven and in the rotation that whole playoffs. So I do think Bryce Harper is definitely sick, but... I don't know if there was, like, I think his time was just up for the Nationals. Like, it was just, like, good timing, I think, for both parties to move on. For him to get paid elsewhere and for the Nats to, you know, full-time turn to their young studs. 
Man, this dude Soto, you guys were hyping him up, like, going into the playoffs and shit. As, you know, like me, I'm, I'm not watching every day and shit, but you guys were like, yo, this kid is like, you and Eric were going off about him. Oh, and- Eric, like, swears by Juan Soto. That's like, that became his favorite baseball player by, like, the end of April. Yo, and the dude turned 21 during the World Series, bro. Like, he did a lot of this shit in the playoffs, like, at 20. Yeah, it was like, I mean, what he did is just straight up unheard of. The dude was delivering clutch home runs. How about his wild card um, double? We talked about it. You said they were in the wild card game at 18 to 1. They were in the wild card game with bases loaded. He hits a double to go up, I want to say, two runs because of the error. And um, he's dancing in between second and third in the eighth inning of a two run baseball game. Gets gets in a rundown, gets put out. Nobody cares about that. I mean, they did wind up winning the game, but if that like, I would have been mad. And, I would have been hyped and mad at the same time. Like, yo, but that just showed how young and like jubilant he was. Like twenty years old, you have the biggest city of your life, and you're just celebrating. Don't know what to do in the middle of a big ass game in the eighth inning. Like, bro, if that was the regular season, he would have been sat down so fast. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's that's like the coolest part about that because that dude was just like genuinely and happy, and that was an authentic reaction. Like, bro, what yeah, is like, like what's happening? I right literally now? think he got lost in like the shuffle of what was happening for real. Because in a four-two game in the playoffs, if you if you made that mistake and the Brewers were to come back, I feel like that would have been he would have been like driven into the ground for that hundred percent. The next, uh, I wouldn't say this is a are we sure kind of question, but I want you to tell me, sum up the 2019 baseball season for me. What's like your biggest takeaway or, or talking point for you? I think the most like common takeaway, which I'll, I'll agree with too, is just the juice baseball. Um, I know you, you're a big like, you kind of get at baseball a lot for a pace of player for being boring or, you know, I mean, I mean, everyone does. There's a lot of critics of baseball the game of baseball itself and MLB has tried to make like adjustments over the years, most notably recently with replay, um, you know, pitch clocks, they have pitch clocks, they limited mound visits and all that stuff. But this year, I mean, you kind of thought so in years past, but this year it was so obvious that there was the juice baseball, uh, home runs have gone up the last few years. Uh, that's league wide home runs, the total home runs. And it was the record for single-season team home runs was shattered. The Twins had like 307, I think it was, and the Yankees had 306. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the home run was just – it's it's tough because it's the most exciting play in baseball. But it also – it kind of like counteracts the problem of tie, like the timed games, right? Because – People say baseball is tough to consume because it's so long with pitching changes and all that. But if you add the juice ball, I know the home run is the most exciting play, but it also prolongs the game. So I just feel like baseball has a dilemma on their hands going forward. I know uh, in maybe like the last year or so, if you listen to me and Tim when we talked, and even you, we were talking about the shift a lot, right, that that was an issue. But Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily sure the juice ball is the answer to bringing in more fans when when it extends the game. So I think that's my biggest takeaway is is the juice ball. I still don't know if it's good or bad for baseball yet. And I know they said there were rumors that they turned away from it in the postseason. So just going forward, like, what's going to be the move with a baseball or not? Because, I mean, it's tough on pitchers to throw a different ball, like with grips and shit. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just don't know how I feel about the juice baseball yet. 
First of all, I never would have guessed that the Twins hit more home runs than the Yanks. This is also like a, a just a bystander of the game. You know, I did get deeply invested with my guy Pistol Pete and the Mets went on that run in like mid-July-ish August. But wow, that's crazy that the Twins had firepower like that. Because, you know, you just look at the lineup with the Yanks. Like you guys just have like hitters and killers everywhere when it comes to like hitting home runs. As far as like what you said, man, about the juice baseball is like, Personally, I don't know if it's me not being like an MLB purist and, you know, like a student of the game, but I kind of, I like, it's weird because I'm going to sound like a hypocrite right now because I like the home runs, but then I get at your boy Aaron Judge for like, he's either a home run or a a strikeout kind of guy, you know? So it's like, I can't like the home run and then shit on someone that all they do is like care home run, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I feel you, but, but that's the way like the game has gone. Averages have dipped. If you hit 300 now, you're considered, like, you're up for the batting title just about. So people have changed. Like, launch angle is a thing now. It's all advanced analytics has changed the game so much. And then you throw in the juice baseball, and it's just like, I mean, you risk the out for the home run. You know, it's like the way the analytics are lined up. It's just what it is now. Last thing I want to ask you, man, before I let you go. And uh, as always, I appreciate your time. Um, oh, bro. I appreciate you having me back. It's 20... been some time now. Yeah, it has been some time. Yeah. Uh, yo, how how you doing, man? Like, I mean, I know how you doing, but tell the people, like, what you've been up to and shit. What, what vacations have you gone on? You know, weight yeah, loss? Tell- My guy slimmed down a little. I don't know. These beers might have packed on a couple LBs because they did for me over the weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a long weekend of boozing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was... Right after we stopped the, the well, I stopped the podcast. Went on a trip to Utah, which was dope to Zion National Park. We did some hikes out there. Uh, Angels Landing, which was like a bucket list thing of mine that I wanted to do for the last year. Got to do that. Uh, if you don't, if you've never heard of that hike, look it up. It's like one of the most dangerous hikes in uh, America. Um, I was dope as hell. But yeah, man, I just you know been working really. Um, following sports of obviously religiously and uh attending ufc events that was dope we went to 244 like we talked about at the jump uh that was fun as hell and yeah man just you know day by day keeping at it but i i've been also following along with the podcast and i think you've done a killer job uh since the changes have been made and i, I still like I still feel like the OG VM vibes. Like I still feel like I'm in the room when I listen to the show. So it, it's pretty cool to follow along, even though I'm not actively, you know, along for the ride every week. Well, I appreciate that, man. And I'm trying, you know, I'm trying my best. Um, I'm trying to keep the, the at its core. You know, I mentioned it when, you know, a lot of people didn't know that we actually knew Alan for a while. You know, people thought that like Alan was just, a dude that we knew like from the neighborhood and he kind of came on here and there in the podcast in the past but yeah man at its core you know vm was a show about a bunch of friends tossing back some beers and shooting the shit so i want to try to keep that theme as much as possible and you know uh this is the first time that i really needed you for something and you know unlike aaron judge you came through in the clutch oh my god yeah last question i should have never taken this call 22 2020 outlook what's one thing you're looking forward to i know the season just ended i know we even we haven't had winter meetings yet no free agents have signed 
But like, what's the one thing that's getting you excited for the 2020 season? And if it's the Yanks, feel free to mention that too. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, the Yanks are just going to be good again. That's what it is. Yeah, it must you be know, nice. I, yeah, no, <laughs> that, that's the only thing I have going for me in my sports life, bro. The Jets are the worst franchise in football. Well, the Isles aren't. Aren't you guys oh, yeah, still, still on that winning too. streak? Yeah, they're on the nine straight right now. But um, no, nah, I mean, you know, it's tough to look forward to the new season. I like, I'm just looking forward to free agency. Like, there's so much going on with Mookie Betts, mm. who's one of the best players in the game. Not even a free agent; like, he's restricted still. He's still arbitration eligible. But it's just like he did that this year, and he wants, you know, he wants security now, so he wants a long term deal. And I think the Sox are going to look to move him because they're strapped to the luxury tax and stuff like that. So. I want to see where he winds up because I don't know who's going to – I mean, obviously anyone will take – we saw the Padres take on Machado last year. So if he goes to a contender or if he pulls the Machado and goes to a non-playoff team and just hopes they have you know the pipeline for in four to five years while he's still in his prime, looking at that, looking at J.D. Martinez also could opt out of his deal with the Red Sox. So funny you said mention the Yankees if possible, but I'm looking at the Red Sox. Like they have so many tough decisions to make after paying – uh, David Price, Chris Sale, Porcello, you know, kind of building their rotation. And then Strasburg, too, the World Series MVP, right? He just opted out, like we talked about, at the jump of $100 million. So will he re-up with a new deal, or will he look elsewhere? I know the Yankees could use some pitching help, so <laughs> it'd be nice to get that, considering they passed up on Corbin, and he went to D.C. and was an intricate part of that title run. But, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to free agency right now, not so much the 2020 season. Uh, although it's very close, I think MLB has the shortest off season in terms of days off because mm-hmm. the season just ended now, November first, and should free uh, spring training is what early February. Yeah, I was gonna say, isn't like February? Yeah, I think like mid mid February. Usually, like uh, Valentine's Day, President's right, right. Week, it's always like pitchers and catchers. I know show up first. Yeah, and it's that- like. Players could sign now, which is crazy. MLB offseason, like, there's no days off. Like, I know they don't do it. In years past, they used to, or wait till winter meetings, usually in December. Um, but things have changed, obviously, considering, you know, what we saw last year with Machado and Harper not really signing until spring training. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, man, baseball's kind of wild like that. Like, it, the window is open now. Nobody usually signs right off the jump, but... I'm just excited, man. I love free agency. There's so many big names out there, like Mookie, JD, Strasburg. Rendon, too. Um, he opted out. Anthony another guy. Rendon? Yeah. Oh, my God. That dude just had a monster playoffs. Oh, my God. That Yeah, he's he's going to get a lot of money. I know uh, from the Yankees side, Didi Gregorius is a free agent. Uh, big shortstop. Peace could probably you know get a job anywhere he wants. Um, but, yeah, man, there's, there's so much going on in baseball. From the Mets, Zach Wheeler is a free agent. I know that's your hometown team. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, there's just so much going on right now. So I think it's going to make for an exciting year of free agency. And big names are going to be on the move once again. Yo, I feel you on that about the the, the big name free agents. I'm looking at some of the lists here. But I I also want to see if, like, this trend of the guy that, man, these big contracts in baseball. And I got, like, the the top ten most lucrative contracts in baseball history by, like, total value. And, like, Trout is first, Harper is second, Giancarlo is third. Machado fourth, A-Rod fifth, and then Arenado sixth. And, like, yo, none of those top salaries made the playoffs this year. Obviously, I'm excluding A-Rod. That goes without well, saying. But John Carlo, yeah. John, but yeah, but here's the thing, though. Like, the Yankees didn't really give him that contract. 
Like oh that yeah every yeah. they inherited it right, and I know like the Marlins paid a little bit of it this this past season or like the beginning stages of that contract, but like. Man, there's. I don't know if this is like a trend of maybe jealousy in the locker room. This is all just speculation. I have no idea. But like, yo, it seems like the teams that pay this one guy a boatload of money don't. It's it's hard to live up to that hype, man. Maybe it's like the expectations is too high. You need this guy to be a forty-five home run hitter kind of, you know, bat three hundred and shit. Like, I don't know what it is, but I think it's very telling that the, the these top salaries. So you look at Arenado, Machado, Harper, and Trout all didn't make the playoffs. And then, of course, Harper's team goes on and wins the World Series to bring it full circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, yeah, Arenado was kind of unique, though. I think he was arbitration, so that was like a one-year deal. He's probably going to have to sign another contract like that this year. But, yeah, they were in the playoffs last year, and they just don't have the pitching, honestly, to compete the Rockies. Same thing with the the Angels. They're a ways away. They bought an Otani, but... Otani? Really <laughs> yeah, Otani-san. But uh, there's really nothing going on with them either. Uh, they bought in Joe Madden, so we'll see. There's speculation. Garrett Cole, who, <laughs> wow, Garrett Cole is the biggest pitching free agent. Didn't mention his name before. But, yeah, uh, there's speculation he might go there. He's from there. And, uh, you know, Joe Madden is obviously a big name. So that kind of could accelerate the rebuild and hopefully get Trout in the playoffs. That would be nice again for a second time. And uh, Machado, I, don't, I mean, yeah, he signed that deal, I guess, just – because the Padres have a top farm system, so he must have thought you know they'll be on the cusp in three or four years. You saw Tatis put together a Rookie of the Year type season, um, but yeah, man, it, those big contracts—it's who who's willing to deal them out. Contenders are kind of at the luxury. Like if you look at the Dodgers, Red Sox, Yankees, those teams are at the, the you know the tax threshold. They don't want to pay that tax anymore. And then you have teams like the Rays, who are at the bottom of the barrel in payroll. Uh, made the wild card and the A's like Rays A's is probably the most l- lowest payroll combined game in the playoffs that you had maybe in a long time. So yeah, it's interesting definitely to see where these these guys will go and if they'll get long term deals. All right, my man, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know the fans will be happy to hear from you and you know get the get the update. Um, Let's do this again sometime, man. You know, I know I know you won't say no again. And uh, I appreciate you coming on and making time for me. Bro, anytime. That's facts. You know that. Come on now. Yo, we getting Bro, on this cod or what? You trying to get get worked or what? <laughs> Yo, right? I haven't purchased it yet. But, you know, we got to make moves. How about FIFA? Missing. Yo, if I, if, if I could get an invite, like you don't want the greatest goal scorer inside the 18, but it's completely useless everywhere else. The biggest disaster outside the 18, <laughs> but 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 world class inside. Nice. <laughs> this is gonna be archived, so I'm gonna I'm gonna screen record this and send it in the chat anytime I don't get an invite. <laughs> we've had we've had a rule with Nick. We're like we'll scream at him and be like, "Yo, two touch limit for you outside the 18. That's it. Just receive it and pass it." Yeah. The the, the quicker the ball leaves my foot to another player, the the, the better it is for Ralph and Boss's uh, mental capacity. <laughs> Boss, where can they find you, bro? Uh, at Endavito27 on Twitter and the Gram. Guys, as far as I go, it's at the Lamb Show. All social media outlets at Veterans Minimum everywhere: YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know the vibes. We'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>